Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. Uh, we are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP uh, channel only uh, based out of Dallas as well. Business started in 2004. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We were originally founded in 1999. Many years in the working and here we are. So we hope that you really get a lot out of this podcast and learn the things that I wish somebody would have told me. Welcome back to the next episode of IT for Whiskey. I'm really excited about today's episode because I have some really good people with me, as you all know. Yeah, I'm here. My best, best bud in the whole world, Myron, is here. Hello. Hey, Myron, who do we have today? I'm really excited. I'm so excited for our guest today. Who is it? Our guest today is uh, probably one of the backbones, probably not, one of the backbones of our business, one of the executives in our team. We caught you in the wording problems when you're speaking live like this, like I did last couple episodes. Okay, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, basically. She is part of our executive team. She is the person that keeps all the businesses humming and keeps the team together. The brains. Welcome, Evan Longoria. Well, thank you. I really I appreciate that intro. That's very nice of you to say. <laughs> I'm happy to be here, actually. I heard that there was a drinking situation happening here, and I thought, well, yeah, sure, I'll get in on that action. <laughs> That's right. She's also my best office drinking buddy. This is true. We do like to sit around and drink a bourbon. Mm-hmm. That's right. You just went up two points on the scale, Evan. Funny enough, I will go into a list, though. I just say funny enough that just this week we had a lunch meeting. And after the lunch meeting, she had other things to do. And we started talking. Next thing you know, this was at lunch. Next thing you know, it was 7 o'clock at night. And we were drinking and talking. <laughs> and we were still chatting, <laughs> talking, drinking, and bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> no problem so. with that. I think that's a great productive day. So what are we going to talk about, Joe? Well, we're going to talk about a lot of really good things. Today, I would really love it, Evan, if you grabbed the, the horse by the reins and led us through a day in the life of what it is to be Evan. We're talking about HR. We're talking about ops. We're talking about how the pandemic has affected the work-life balance. We're talking about, more importantly, how do we keep employees happy? Wow, those are huge topics. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're not good. It's easy. This is going to be like you just going to drink a glass of water. You know, I I go back to the single most important thing when I think about that is really focusing on the employee experience and and making decisions that put that front and center. Because at the end of the day, if you do that, you know, if your employees are feel that you are looking out for their best interests and looking at ways that they can contribute at their best level, then you as an organization are just going to be performing better overall. So if I look at it and say, okay, all of those are huge topics, but for me, at the very center of it all is the employees and making sure that the experience that we create through policies, administration, et cetera, is really focused on, you know, balancing out what we as a company are working to achieve and what they are working to achieve in their career. Because they're they're not mutually exclusive goals. They are actually goals that, you know, align. You know, just to take a little history back, before Evan, and I've talked about Evan, just not mentioned her maybe in in previous episodes, but before Evan... uh, kind of came out and took the reins on, on a lot of the things that, that she does. We had a hiring process. Our culture wasn't aligned. Our core values wasn't, weren't aligned. There were all these pieces. So she, she started to strip these things away and, 
and just aligning really who we were as an organization. Once we started to address that, we knew the kind of people we wanted and it made the hiring process a lot longer, but bringing the right kind of people. I was at a ASCII event, Josh Lieberman, that, that's a you know, Greenlink partner, he actually grabbed me and said, listen, you know, one of the greatest things about Greenlink specifically, because that's who he works with, is that I love the people that work there. Everybody, I get along with them, you know, and all these things. And I actually, he knows Evan. So he, I said to him, that's all because of Evan, right? I think that organizations don't look at that enough, especially if you're a smaller MSP or, you know, they're, they're not looking at that enough. And it really plays a big role because our ability to scale has been because we have the right people, being able to find the right people and retain that and make sure that, hey, not only retain them, but make sure that they're extremely happy at what they're doing. It, it shows in the products later on. So that's remarkable. It's, it's funny because Josh, I, I love that guy. He's, he's a, do you know, Josh actually speaks fluent Italian? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And Spanish. And talk Spanish too. Yeah, he, you know, he's a really resilient and a pretty remarkable person. And you know, it's people like him that make you realize how you need to structure your internal staff, how you need to build your company, because that kind of feedback is like that's so valuable, right? Yeah. And it's clear to me, and and I deal, as you guys know, I deal with a lot of your staff in the group of companies. And you're right. I will say that everyone I have worked with and met at all of the, the different companies, you guys are all awesome. From an outside, I'm saying that. And I take that and we implement a lot of those values in how we hire here. You know, it's it's really remarkable to see that type of, you know, the core value. Evan, why don't you, why don't you talk about the core values that you try to uh, impress on people before you hire them and talk to us about what you look for in good people that match your corporate values. When you are a smaller company, every single person that comes onto the team plays such a critical role. A person coming onto the team is going to change the dynamic. So one of the things that I look at, uh, individuals that I call it strivers, and I'm not quite sure if that's really even a technical term. It's a term that, that works for us as a company where we say, okay, we're looking for people that are self-motivated, that are looking to achieve things because we as a company are trying to create that momentum for ourselves. So we look for people that are self-motivated, are striving, and we're looking for people that are team players that know that they're contributing and, and can really evaluate how and, and value those relationships. You know, so a lot of my conversations and a lot of our interview process is really focused on we're looking at individuals, you know, that have a history and certainly value that teamwork that and really value those relationships. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people that know and recognize coming on to a team that they can play a critical role and they're looking for that kind of engagement. The, the example of being able to, you know, bring a person that matches basically their criterias of what we identified as what who we are as a business, you know, to not just call it a core value, because what we identify ourselves could be very different than what, you know, you, Joe, can identify yourself or another business identifies themselves. To talk about core values themselves and how to, you know, it, it really is who you are, who these businesses are, and then making sure that those people that are coming in match that of what you want the business to 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 be looked at you know as we looked at that kind of process for me it was it was eye opening because we we did have some people that were the wrong people straightforward and 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 once we started putting the things in place those people dwindled out you know because they didn't fit i think to go back to what we're talking about a little bit about what is it what is it that you're looking for i think you need to first you know if i were if i were answering that 
you know, globally, I would say that as a company, you want to sit down and say, okay, what are my values? You know, what is it that, what are the success behaviors that we have within our company and make sure that we hire to those. So for us, you know, that striving piece of it was one of those behaviors that we identified. We actually sat down, Myra and Giovanni and I sat in a room and we spent, I think, almost an entire day going through and looking at the company um, and saying, okay, what are the values? You know, who are we as a company? What's make What makes us successful? And then I took that and distilled it into, you know, what I would want us to be hiring for, you know, with people that have those demonstrated behaviors. So for us, it's, it, you know, it came down to being doing oriented, you know, and people skills and being success seeking. Um, but that's an exercise, like Myron was saying, that every company could go through individually and identify what is successful, you know, and you look at, and the way to do that is to look at the employees in your company that are actually achieving results for you. What is it that they are doing? What are their behaviors, you know, and bring more of that, that into the company. It's, it's interesting you say that because we defined about uh, 18 months ago what our credo is as a company and we published it. And before we published it online, if you go to our website today, you'll see it. And before we published it online, we sat with every employee and said, do you understand this credo? This is what leadership is be believes in. Do you understand this credo? And is this something you're on board with? And we actually, through that process, before we published it, tweaked it and modified it because we saw it one way as leaders, mm -hmm. and then we understood it differently from the frontline staff that deal with the customers. So we, we definitely tweaked it and we modified it. We said, all right, to, to all the staff, is this something you're on board with? Now, our credo is actually in our handbook that new employees have to read and sign off on for them to understand why we are doing what we do and how we do it. And it's amazing. Since we've done this, we have had such a low attrition rate in employees to the point that I can honestly say in the last 24 months, or it's been about 20 months since we've, we've done this, 18, 20 months, we've only had one employee rotate. Yeah, that happens. It happens. But everyone else that's come on board has stuck. So, and we've done quite a bit of hiring over the last year and a half. So I'm really proud to say that, you know, when you, we communicated what we wanted to our staff and what we saw as the ultimate objective, you know, a lot of our staff have been around five, 10, 15 years, and they see what we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. They know who we are. And as a group, we created this credo and, you know, we started it and then we evolved it together as a group before it went public and everyone's on board with it. And now, you know, we do quarterly themes and we do all these, you know, corporate objectives and whatnot as a company to grow and scale and whatnot. They all are in line with our credo and the staff can connect the dots and our customers are connecting the dots because it's public. Our customers know what our credo is. And before we sign a new customer, we say to them, can you take a look at our credo and let me know if you agree with this? So it's something that we made this holistic between internal and external, and it's worked really well for us because everyone's on the same page. And if you can't agree with what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it, you're not a fit internally or externally. And it's worked for us. It's worked really well for us. If you go to 8it.ca forward slash credo, you'll see it or infinite IT credo, you'll see it. So anybody else can take our credo and, and, and use it and modify it. Get it as a guideline. And you could take this and, and you can modify it to your own corporate values and 
you know, see if it matches or make it match your in, internal um, objectives. Yeah, or use it as a template. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that I think for for us that was a big deal um, was when the whole world changed, right? And we went to uh, working from home. Uh, we went to this hybrid um, workforce uh, where some people are working from home, some people come to the office, and so on and so forth. And then keeping people engaged, right? But also, you know, through that same process, we, we looked at, we started saying, okay, what other things can we do for our staff that we're maybe doing differently or we're not doing that, that we could do differently, uh, like our PTO time, you know, and so on and so forth. For those that don't know, we, you know, have implemented an unlimited uh, PTO time for our staff. And I don't know a lot of MSPs that have that. Actually, I don't know of anybody else. I, I've never heard of this before. Can you please elaborate? Like, tell us, how does this work? What does that mean? Well, unlimited PTO just basically means that um, we have a vacation policy that allows employees to take um, an unlimited amount of time off. Now, what that means essentially is that we don't have a bank. We don't have a bank of time in term that, you know, that has a, limit on it in terms of, uh, you know, however many days it can take. And it's also, there's no accrual system, you know, like a, like a other vacation policies might have that you earn certain amount of vacation days per pay period, that kind of thing. We don't have any of that. It's literally um, an open time off policy. So, you know, and when you're looking at that and say, saying, okay, is this the right kind of a policy for, for the, for the company, for the organization? I think you have, there's a lot of factors that you have to consider about whether or not it'll work for your company. Right. So I think we could get into that a little bit, but to answer the question in a, in a, you know, very broad sense, it's an unlimited time off policy, meaning that you, that in employee could take however many days off that they want, but there are some criteria that have to be met. When Evan came to me with this, I said, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a scary word when you say unlimited um, unlimited time off. People think, okay, that phrase means that people are going to be taking all this time off and they're not, you know, and we're not going to be able to achieve our company objectives and, you know, things are, but the fact of the matter is that these policies have been around for well over a decade for a really long time. And there's a lot of studies out there that show that in fact, they actually improve productivity. And being a listener of what you're saying, what the heck does that mean? Because I'm scared. If I tell my staff that they have unlimited time off for PTO, what happens? What, what Like my staff aren't going to show up to work? Like, w wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's two pieces to this. So I want to, I want to talk about, um, you know, kind of knowing both sides of the story, right? So there's two pieces. One is that for us, and this is why Evan's point of, you know, it depends on your organization. For us, there were a lot of things that we were already doing. Like if somebody needed more time or something like that, we would always approve it. So it was almost like, you know, we're not getting credit for this, right? So if you look at it from an external standpoint, you know, we weren't getting credit for that kind of stuff. Somebody that's coming into the organization is just looking at it and say, yeah, I'm going to get, you know, two weeks time off or whatever the case is. So that was kind of like one of the things and one of the things that we talked about and we were like, typically we're going to, uh, you know, approve it anyway. So what's, you know, what's the problem? And if somebody's abusing time off where they're not, they're not performing, then that's a performance problem. So we took, we looked at those things and we said, okay, well, and that, that was what a little bit settled me a little bit more where where I said, you know, the truth is that, yeah, when, when, when somebody needs it, we were going to give it to them anyway, because that's the kind of people that we are. And if they're taking time off 
and it's affecting their productivity, then we have a problem, right? So, so those, those, were the, those were the settling things that helped me. And then ultimately, you know, and, and, and I know you, you guys are both ready to say stuff, but, and ultimately, you know, it still has to get approved. So, you know, to use a very example of, let's say a, a person that's, that's abusing it because, you know, it could be abused. And that's what Joe, you're, you're worried about. If somebody came and said, hey, I, I need, you know, a week, and a half off this month. And we said, okay, yeah, you, you, you know, sure. You've, you've, you've worked hard. You've been, you know, you know, take the time off that we'll work it out. And then they come back and the next month they're like, well, now I decided to go to, you know, Europe for three weeks. I need three more weeks off. You know, we're going to say, well, wait a minute. You, you haven't even caught up with the last time off. You know, maybe we have to hold off a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it, it's gotta be, it's got to be a two-way street and you have that open conversation with people and if you have the right kind of people on staff then they will definitely understand you know and it and it will be a you know so yeah it's open and unlimited where you don't have to worry about am i going to run out of time but also it has to be it's okay for everybody right and evan you're, you can go into the technicality of all that evan give me your take on it because uh, quite frankly the way myron spelled it out I'm still not comfortable. Like, it still scares me. You know, the way that I would look at it is unlimited PTO policy um, is for employees that can take as many days off needed throughout the year. But there are two variables there that have to be a part of it, have to be a part of the conversation. The first one is, is that it's not an automatic yes. So employees need to know that it's not an automatic yes, that we are biased to yes to accommodate, you know, their requests whenever possible, but that within that, there are there the, the most important thing is that their performance is a factor. So what, to what Myron is saying is um, we also look at it and say, okay, are you meeting your goals? You know, um, are you are you keeping up with your work and all of that? In which case, yeah, absolutely, take the time. But if you're not, and performance is something that we're having a conversation about, we're gonna we're gonna be inclined to say no. And employees, when we rolled this out, understood that because we had that frank conversation with them. And that would that would be one of the first things I would say is like when you're rolling it out, you know, um, you are looking at, hey, is this something that works for my workforce? And we can talk about that in a little bit more detail. But if the answer to the question is yes, then you have to roll it out with transparency and let them know how you're going. Going to make the decision because they have to know from the very beginning that it's not an automatic yes that you're going to be looking at their performance and you're also going to be looking at the needs of the business and so you're and you're also going to be looking at how that impacts the rest of the team too so back to something that myron was talking about a moment ago which was you know is someone taking more than say somebody else in terms of fairness we balance that out too and we're not going to keep saying yes to a certain member of the team taking time off if another member of the team hasn't taken some time off you know because in a small organization organization, you know, when someone is out, somebody else is typically picking up and helping with tickets and doing all that other stuff. So we balance that all out. So what I would say is an unlimited PTO policy requires that, you know, a lot of engagement with the managers and the employees. The managers really have to be, um, have those conversations and be willing to say no, but also be open to the, to be, to say yes. So another part of this for us was making sure that our, our managers knew how to manage it. Because it is a scary kind of thing. It's like, oh, can I not ever say no? Of course you can, but you know, here are the parameters about how you'd say it, but also keeping in mind some flexibility. Because I think that one of the things that we've looked to do overall 
when we went to this hybrid thing and when we, you know everything happened is we wanted to build flexibility into how we approach our relationships with our employees because the truth is you know we we already had that built into how we functioned we just hadn't codified it yeah i mean like to to the point of like you know someone needed to go you know to be with their family in you know out of mexico for for some time and we were flexible to them going to mexico taking some time off but also working from mexico so those that flexibility is something that we didn't have before in writing we didn't have it before but if somebody would have came to us and that's where the key part of how you operate today and how your operations are really play a part because we were doing that we were okaying that already here's a question for you is it fair to say that an unlimited PTO would be equivalent to a work from anywhere, anytime policy? No. Because we, we currently have internally, um, and I've had staff take me up on this all the time. You know what? I need to go to wherever because my daughter has a hockey tournament or my son has a basketball tournament and I'm going to be offline till 10 a.m. I'll be online till four and then offline till... Is that okay? And we approve that and we don't dock them. Yeah, that's flexibility. That's flexibility more than more than time off. Because what we're saying on the time off is that if you have one, let's say one week vacation a year, just to make the numbers easy, and that person had taken that one week, they had no more time off. So they couldn't take any more. Now we're saying is you have an unlimited time. So if you need to take another week, maybe not the next month, but you know, six months down the line, then it's not a problem and have that flexibility. We're not there counting the days that you took off. It's more in line with what, how your performance is and how you're keeping up with your workload. And I think the other thing as well is I think legally here in our jurisdiction, we could never do that. We worked through some of that. We had to deal with that in Dominican Republic. Yeah, and then honestly, that was actually one of the variables, uh, one of the factors that I would say you have to consider is you have to consider what are the employment laws in your state what are they in your in your jurisdiction that you're talking about? And what are your leave policies and how all, do all these pieces play together? Um, that was also something that we looked at before we implemented. How does it play with things like maternity? Well, it, it, again, it depends on what you've got in your handbook. If you have a maternity leave policy in your handbook, then that that would be the that what you would govern that leave by first before the unlimited PTO came into play, for lack of a better way of describing it. That's my point about you know, jurisdictional requirements, because I know for our jurisdiction, we need a minimum of 12 months of maternity leave. It's law. You can't even negotiate that. So that would supersede this for, yeah. That would supersede, yeah. That's my point. So just my point to our listeners isn't what's right and what's wrong. My point is, take our advice on how to make your employees happier, but always look at what your local jurisdiction says from a legality standpoint. Oh, absolutely. That was one of the variables um, that I looked at before we ever rolled this out was I spent some time looking at, you know, what is, you know, what are, what are our laws here from, you know, in Texas and what are they, you know, where all of our employees are located and how do I take those into consideration with respect to, you know, rolling this out and even down to the language where you say, okay, this policy goes first and this one goes second, that kind of thing, if, you know, if you need to, because some states here say that unlimited PTO policy would override any, any other policy or vice versa. So you just kind of have to figure out what that looks like. So you definitely have to consider that. The good news, most of our listeners are very regionalized. So they're, they're regionalized to their local area. So they have to contend with, they're not like, like both of us that, 
we both organizations that we are multi-jurisdictional, right? So we've got to contend with multiple jurisdictional laws. And we have more challenges. Yeah, we have more challenges. So the good news is putting this type of policy in place to your staff will not only enhance customer sa- or employee satisfaction, sorry, but it may be actually easier to do than it would be for some other organizations. And talking about easy, we're going to talk about something that's so, I got something to share. I'm so excited to share about it. I I cheated today and I'm so proud to share about it. And it's so easy, but I want to be last. Evan, you're our guest. And what are you drinking today? I'm drinking my favorite bourbon, Blanton's. Which one? You know, I don't have the, what is it that you have, Myron? The gold. I don't have that. I just have the, you know, the single barrel, the, the good stuff. <laughs> I think I had that in a recent episode. That that comes with like 90, 93 proof, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was the one that actually got me to drink Blanton's. I had not drank Blanton's before, Evan. Yeah. You know what? Neither did I until Myron showed me. So Oh, so I influenced the both of you? That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I went to... Um, one of my top fives, I pulled out a bottle of 19, I'm sorry, 1792 bottle and bond. Since the real early ages, I think I bought this bottle when we recorded episode like two or something like that. So yeah, yeah. I've got two bottles left. I'm not, I have two cases left, but who's counting? (laughs) Yeah, but I can't get that up here. That's a difference. Yeah. You can't get it here either. Salute to that. What are you drinking? As I said, before we hit the record button, I would have normally been embarrassed to say, but I am proud to say it today. I am drinking a premix. Real? Yes, you heard that. Yes, I am. JP Weisers, they are a Canadian whiskey company. And I have never liked any of their products before. Never, never, never. I've tried them, didn't like them. Canadian whiskeys, as I've said many, many a times over the years, they're not my thing until recently. In the last few months, I've been kind of opening my eyes to, and I've tried them over and over again, never liked them, but something's changing in the Canadian market right now. And I don't know what it is. Maybe they're realizing, maybe they listen to me and say their stuff is crap. I don't know. But maybe they're realizing the market's not responding because like in the US, the bourbons are better. You know, in, in, in the, the UK, the scotches and the Irish whiskeys are better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now all of a sudden, the Canadian whiskeys are really getting good. So JP Weisers makes this, uh, old-fashioned whiskey cocktail, pre-mixed. And I went to a friend's house recently. He's not a whiskey guy. And he said to me, you're a whiskey guy, right? And I said, yeah, absolutely. He goes, would you like an old-fashioned? I was shocked because he's a vodka guy. He doesn't have any whiskey in his house. I said, okay. And so he brings this, doesn't tell me what it is. He goes away for a few minutes, whatever, comes back on ice. He brings me this this drink. I start sipping and I said, buddy, this is a really, for a vodka guy? this is a really good old fashioned. And he just kind of chuckled. And so I finished that after a bit, whatever. And he, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go do a refill. Do you want another one? I said, sure, here's my glass. And he goes away and he comes back like within 30 seconds. I said, there's no way you just made an old fashioned in 30 seconds. He said, you're right. I didn't make it. I just poured it. And it shocked me. And he brings the bottle out. And I said, I swore that was homemade. It was that shocking. So I now stock it at home. I have a secret to it and I'm not going to share, but there's a secret to enhance it. And just think about how you enhance things. You just add things to it for a premix. It is really good. That's awesome. I got to try that. I mean, I'm not really an old fashioned person, but um, but I'll drink it every so often. As an example to your pre-mixed stuff, in my house, we buy the uh, pre-mixed tequila uh, margaritas. Um, and what we do is we do we do a shot of tequila into it, you know, the tequila that we like. 
and it really enhances it. So hint, hint. I really want to try it out because I love old fashions. The first time I ever had an old fashioned was at this high end restaurant here in, in Dallas. The bartender behind the bar was a mixologist. And I, and you know, I, I was right before dinner and I, he said, what kind of a drink do you want? And I said, well, I don't like anything particularly sweet and I love bourbon and, you know, but I, I want to try something different. He said, let me make you an old fashioned. Um, best introduction to an old fashioned I've ever had because after that I was sold. <laughs> That's it. Love them. And so I've done old, several types of old fashions, smoked to this, that, the other, blah, blah, blah. I've even had one on dry ice. Like it was, I've had the gamut and Recently, uh, in August, I was at an event and they started, they were making old fashions with Angel's Envy and it blew my socks off. I didn't know that that's what it was at the time because we said, can we get six old fashions? And they brought them over and all of us are like, really? Well, this is like the best old fashioned I've ever had. We had a, like one or two of them. And then I asked the, the, the mixologist at the place and I, I asked him, said, how do you make your old fashions? And he said to me, oh, I, I just only use Angel's Envy. Is it Angel's Envy Rye or the regular Angel's Envy? No, the regular one. Yeah. You know, funny enough, again, I don't do a lot of old fashions, but I, I will say that my best experience of an old fashioned was with a Eagle Rare. People try it. Try some new things. Don't don't just put the typical bullet. Nothing wrong with bullet, but, you know, try try new things out there. I love it with Angel's Envy. That's what I use when I make it at home. And then I recently had right. it at a bar with Buffalo Trace. And I thought, okay, that's not bad. Okay, so yeah. That would be my typical go-to. We could not get Angel's Envy where I am up until about two months ago. It didn't exist up here. So I'd always have to bring it up from the U.S. And so Buffalo Trace is what my default was for my old fashions. And, well, now that Angel's Envy I can get here. <laughs> uh, sorry, Buffalo Trace. <laughs> Aren't they the same people? I think it's the same people. So going back to the, the, the conversation, you know, off the top of your head, can you think of a, a couple of other things that we do that, that are helpful to keeping the, the team engaged and um, making us a competitive employer? You know what? There, there is. But you know, could I go back and talk about the um, unlimited PTO, uh, just to touch on a couple of other things that we didn't mention that I wanted to make sure that we talked about, because I think it's something to be on the lookout for. So we talked earlier about, you know, you know, employees maybe getting overzealous in, in using the, the unlimited. But what we didn't talk about, and it's something that I've seen happen with a couple of our employees, are those that are afraid to ask for the time off. And so they don't ask for time off because they, they are, they're, they're what I call the rules follow. Followers that, that like if you're switching from a, a an accrual system where you know they know how many hours that they get every pay period etc and they have a balance they're more comfortable saying hey I have a balance of X number of days of time off so give me those days off and you know because I've I've earned them whereas they're and they're less they're more shy about asking for time off so you just have to make sure that you're encouraging those employees to actually do that because I noticed that that was happening um, with a couple of our employees that once we switched over to something where they didn't have a balance it was hard for them to speak up. Don't you want them to work? I actually want my employees to take time off. I encourage them to, because I know that when they come back, they're going to be refreshed and they're going to be more productive. I'm chasing them down to take time off, honestly. <laughs> I was setting you up for that. I know. Answer. I know. <laughs> I, I would agree. I mean, uh, you know, and I've mentioned it in, 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 in town halls or in meetings or whatever, but it's important for people to take time off because you need to, you need to go back, recharge your batteries, come back fresh and I mean, for myself, when I take time off, I come back, you know, like a ball of energy. 
with all kinds of things and stuff I want to implement, you know, so if you calculate that to every employee in your in your business, right, every staff member, by overworking them, it's, you're not going to get the best out of them. No, I actually ran a report recently, and this is how it came up to me. I actually ran a report recently to see, because even though we have uh, employees taking unlimited time off, we do categorize it. And we do track it for business purposes. We do want to see. Uh, we have an HRIS. Um, this is a plug for for Bamboo HR. I love that system. We've been using it for a couple of years and it's really, really easy. We actually run our time off requests through that system. So, and it's, everything's automated via email, you know? And it's not expensive, to be honest with you. We use collage up here. Uh, Bamboo is actually not something we can use here uh, because of the laws. We have another platform called Collage. Very, very similar. The question I have for you is, how are you categorizing? That's the part that, so I, I what I'm trying to wrap my head around is, is categorization because we've got four categories today and I don't know if I'm doing it right. Oh, I think it's probably the same that you're probably using. We have one for sick, regular, holiday, I believe. Um, I think that those are, yeah, That's those it. are the three, I think. Yeah. And the reason being is that we want to just track, you know, the category of time off that, it, that employees take. So we see, okay, so, you know, was, was, you know, illness a factor in terms of our, you know, our performance this year? No, not really. We didn't have a lot of those in terms of six. So I ran a report recently to look at, you know, are our employees using the time off and where where is it happening? And are they doing it, you know, over the period course of a year? Because that's the other thing, too, that what happens with an accrual-based system is that people that have, you know, accruals that they're going to lose at the end of the year, you end up seeing a rush of employees wanting to take time off at the end of the year to use up the time that they're afraid they're going to lose. But if they have an unlimited policy that allows them to take it throughout the entire year, you do see people spacing it out whenever they want. You see them facing it out. So I ran that report recently because I wanted to see, did some all of our employees take time off like I wanted them to? And I hit on a couple of people that didn't. So I did call them up and say, yo, you haven't taken off some time. Go take a couple of days because I, you know, you need to have, make sure you have en enough energy. I totally support that stuff because of that, because it's, it's important for people to, you, you start seeing the productivity go down if they have been just overworked, right? So it's important. So Evan, I want to pick your brain on something. So from a legality standpoint in our jurisdiction, if they don't take the time off at the end of the year, I pay them out for it. How do you combat that? Uh, you know what? I think that's, a, that's an employer decision, right? Whether or not some states do require that you take that, that you pay them out, the, whatever accrual that they have at the end of the year, some states will say, just go ahead and roll it over up to a balance. It really depends on what that specific law is. But when it comes to unlimited PTO, you don't have those requirements. There's nothing for you to pay out because there's no accrual, you know, so that that part of the equation is removed. Yeah. And if it's required in, in, in Canada, I, and I'm not no expert, I'm just a bourbon drinker here. Uh, I would say that <laughs> I would say that you calculate it still, and then if you're if they're below the 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 minimum, then you pay out that minimum or ask them to take it off, and 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 still calculate unlimited. Although you know you still have that one piece to kind of just fill the 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 governmental requirements. So one last question that I have, okay, because Evan, you you seem to have a really good handle on this. When you're prospecting new employees and you're going through the HR process and you table unlimited PTO, how do you weed out those that are just going to come on board to milk you for it versus those that deserve it? It goes back to uh, what we were talking about earlier is what are you interviewing for? And I said earlier that um, I am, you know, interviewing for strivers and that's people who are 
committed to their own growth and their own, you know, forgive me for saying this, and I'm not quite sure exactly how to describe it, but I, when I'm looking at, at the candidates and we're interviewing for them, I look for people that have overcome challenges, people that have, that are motivated, because those are the people that are going to come into the company, are going to want to make changes, or to, and are going to want to contribute on that big scale. They're not going to be interested in taking time off, you know what I mean? So I'm looking at, and those are the ones I'm actually going to have to push to make sure that they do take time off, some time off, because they are so hungry for for their growth and their career. And so one of the things that we do when we're interviewing is listening to who are they as individuals in their personal and professional life? Are they the kind of individuals that have this tremendous sense of responsibility? Because that's actually another key factor is I'm looking for people that have a tremendous sense of responsibility for, you know, what they do and that have a high standard of performance. And that shows through in what they did at school and with how they contribute to teams, how they approach life. And, you know, you, you learn that through the interview process because you take the time to learn who they are. I will tell you that our process is very long. We do that on purpose because we really are trying to get to know the candidate and get to know who they are and make sure that when they're coming onto the team, that they have those same behaviors that the rest of the team has. I love our team because they really are committed to the company. They are responsible individuals, which kind of goes back to having an unlimited PTO. You want people that are responsible, you know? Yeah. When we're interviewing, we're looking for those same skills. And so when we do that, that doesn't even become a factor. I don't actually even worry about employees coming on to the, to the team to take advantage of an unlimited PTO. I don't because that's not what we're hiring for. That's not the kind of individual we're, that we're, that we're going to let in the door. <laughs> I mean, forget, forget for, for saying it that way, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I, I agree. And although we look at a report, maybe quarterly or, or you know semi-annually or whatever just to see where people at like like evan says it is not part of our day-to-day conversation as a, as a leadership team i'm going to flex a little bit here but at you know now we're close to 100 employees it is amazing that we truly have you know all this staff are following or not following but embody you know those values that we're looking for it's funny because i always talk about if i ever get to talk to somebody before they they're they're hired which is very rare these days. I don't, they don't let me. They don't let me in the room. If I do get a chance to talk to him, I'm like, pair yourself, hydrate for the Evan experience. <laughs> <laughs> it is a long interview. <laughs> it's a long, like two, two and a half hour process just with Evan. That's just one of the interview steps. I, I want to know more about. We need a whole other episode for that. We could have a whole other episode. If you're asking how do I how do we do it? How do we hire the the kind of team member that we're looking for? It's a conversation. It's taking the time to get to know them, to talk about what motivates them, who they are. And that conversation is why it's two hours, because it takes a while to get through it. Because it's not just about us looking at, okay, are they the team member that's going to contribute? I am also, and this is something that, again, another another episode, but the other part of what I'm looking for in the conversations, are we the right fit for them? You know, are we right. going to be their next best career move and where they're going to be able to best contribute? I've actually had to say no to somebody, you know, that's a great candidate because it's not their best move for them yet because, or whatever the case may be. They might not even know it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. that's, that's the HR person in me that is like making sure that both sides of the equation are, are taken care of. Let's do this. I, I think we've had a really great episode today. I want to know more and I want to know what the Evan experience is like. <laughs>
I think that would be a fantastic thing. So to our listeners, tune in. If you want to know more, if you like the topping and want us to talk more, let us know. ITforWhiskey.com, you know, social at ITforWhiskey for email, ITforWhiskey on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You know, you know the drill. I believe that what you're doing, Evan, is magical. And it is what is propelling the organization to greatness. You know what? I mean, I appreciate the compliment. The truth of the matter is that I wouldn't be able to do this if, you know, I didn't have a commitment of the managers and the entire leadership to say that we are putting our employees first and we are putting the employee experience first. And that means, you know, talking about all of our policies and all of our decisions, because that's our culture, because what is culture? It's every decision and every action that you take, right? And so that's just, you know, so if we want to keep talking about it, we started talking about unlimited PTO as one of those factors, but there's so many other things. Absolutely. The point of the show is we want to help our listeners become more efficient and to grow. We want to help other MSPs become stronger because we figured things out that maybe they haven't. We're committing you. (laughs) If we're adding color to that, I would say that an unlimited PTO policy absolutely does in in if it matches your your culture your workforce is something that really does motivate employees it really does increase productivity we've seen that you know for us um and so if you're interested in how to implement it those are the factors look at the law look at you know your workforce look about the conversations that you're going to have and and have transparency around it and with that we'll let you go because this has been a great (laughs) episode and we've we've gone beyond our time thank you evan We'll see you in the next one. Take it away. IT for Whiskey. A podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at IT4Whiskey.com. You smoke that Cisco and you may uh, DDoS yourself. (laughs) 